0: Welcome back to the Tape Store, everyone. This is Toby.
1: And this is Brooke. And this is Jeff.
0: We were made in the 80s. And
1: played in the 90s.
0: And we are excited. We have been talking about doing this show for quite some time. I mean, even before, long before episode one, long before yeah. any of that.
1: I think it was, wasn't it still like, what was May? No, it was probably well, April. It was when, April we planned this.
0: Yeah, you know, when we started talking to Jeff, <clears throat> who was with us, uh, of course, you already know that by now. Everyone <laughs> is listening. But um, when we started talking to Jeff about being a uh, an occasional guest host of the show, one of the first films we talked about was Willow, right, dude?
2: That's correct.
0: Willow has always been one of my favorite fantasy films. And it seemed like I remember when I watched Lord of the Rings... Which had hobbits in it. I mean, I I immediately thought of oh, I mean, Willow was kind of similar to that. Even though, of course, Lord of the Rings was a book long before Willow was even imagined. Right, but, but I mean,
1: it's it. Who knows? It could have been inspirational in some ways.
0: Yeah, I think well, so. Yeah, uh, I
2: mean, just like the the halfling race is like you know, it's, yes, it's in yes. Dungeons and Dragons and stuff, and I guess I guess no ones are kind of like halflings. I guess yeah, it's like a well
1: known trope, I guess. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and again, this was stuff that. So openly, it's so openly popular. Lord of the Rings, The Hobbit, you know, comic books. And we talk about that, you know, occasionally about how the kids that were into that stuff, which was, which included me and Jeff and you, Brooke, Mm -hmm. um, it was not mainstream popular, you know? And now it is. But I remember being into Willow and loving that. Uh, Val Kilmer was one of my favorite actors as a kid. So seeing him in this uh, this swashbuckling role. Uh, This heroic role as Mad Mardigan.
1: We've had a a theme of swashbuckling things.
0: Yeah, and we are excited because this is part one of a two-part podcast series on Willow that the tape store is doing. We just, there's just so much. It's so rich, and we enjoyed it so much. We didn't want to rush through it. We really wanted to take our time with it, really wanted to enjoy it. You will be getting two weeks of Willow at the tape store, so get ready, buckle up, it's going to be great. It's one of those movies that I watch, And wish there was more of that universe expounded upon that we could know more about. Which there is some things, and we'll talk about that. But let me uh, give a... uh, I always like to give some information. We always like to give some general information about the film before we really start to dive into it. Willow was released May 20th, 1988. It was directed by the Ron Howard. Excellent director. Legendary. Starring Warwick Davis. Val Kilmer, Joanne Wally, and Gene Marsh. And we're going to go into who these actors play. But it's got a great cast. Kevin Pollock's in it. (laughs) You know, he plays a great role. So we're going to get into that as we get into the film. But this is something that in our initial discussions about Willow, Jeff, you had a lot to say. Because this is something that George Lucas was into before the first Star Wars movie. Like, wow. bef- before 77, right? I didn't
1: know that. This, is, yep.
2: this goes way back, even before American Graffiti. This, this was like his baby. Wow. And, yeah, like, he, um, yeah. he I, I don't know if he, if he fully realized it or if it, if it was just kind of like one of those, like, ideas he had for a film. But, yeah, like, I mean, it, the, the fascinating thing about it is that, like, he wanted to do it first, but he didn't think the technology was there. So Oh
1: interesting.
2: After um after he did American Graffiti and he was, you know, thinking about doing, you know, Willow, which originally was called Munchkins, actually. Oh. Um I can't imagine it. <laughs> oh no. I, I would have was, not
0: taken it seriously.
2: I know. No. Thank God it was not called that. <laughs> <laughs> but um <laughs> uh,
1: I'm sorry I can't get over no, that. No, I know.
2: I, I, he was like I, I'm just going to do this this little Star Wars movie, you know, in, in the meantime. Like this little the, Star yeah, Wars. Yeah, like movie wow. he, he didn't even know Star Wars was going to be what it ended up being. You know, he thought Willow was going to be his big, you know, <laughs> breakout movie. Wow. So that, I I just think that's 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 super interesting.
0: Yeah, I read that George Lucas actually came up with the story in 1972. And he had spoken, and Jeff, you may know this or not, but he had spoken to Warwick Davis about the role of Willow on the set of Return of the Jedi. Yeah, of course I did, we I did know. know
2: that. He he actually uh, found he 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 found his Willow when he met Warwick Davis and
1: Oh, that's so neat.
0: Who yeah. played Wicket, like the yeah. main Ewok.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah.
0: The one the one we think about when we hear Ewoks, we think of Wicket.
1: Yes, of course.
0: This is a film that really really just has everything as far as um it's got love and it's got humor and it's also very dark it's pretty dark i mean the the universe is it's it's pretty intense at times right yeah you know so jeff when did ron howard become a a player in willow
2: so uh, of course ron howard was in american graffiti so george lucas obviously met him then maybe knew him before who knows um, but then they reunited later on on the set of Cocoon, which Ron Howard directed, and George Lucas was starting up his company, um, ILM, which we know it today is pretty much the greatest special effects you know studio there is.
0: Industrial, yeah, Industrial Light and Magic.
2: Exactly. So and then and at the time George Lucas had a very heavy hand in Industrial Light and Magic, so he was on set, you know, making sure that all the special effects were you know, spot on and stuff. And then he, you know, like I said, reunited with Ron Howard. And then, you know, just working with him, he was like, I think I found my director for Willow. Mm. And, and that just goes to show you right there. Like, I wonder if George Lucas would, had originally wanted to direct Willow or had he realized after making Star Wars, maybe, Mm. maybe he wanted to hand this off to a, to someone more capable. I don't know. Who knows?
1: I'm, I mean, I'm inclined to agree with you on that only because George Lucas is brilliant with concept and stories. Yes. Um, absolutely. But I mean, I know you, I'm sure you, I know you and Toby have talked about it, but Toby and I have talked about it and just as far as directing and, and emotions and things like that, it just, he, he. we love him, but that was, that seemed to be an area that wasn't his strongest and Ron ha- Howard is has it in spades.
0: So all that to say, this has been something that had been brewing for about 16 years before it was even released. And we love it. I mean, this is just a brilliant, brilliant film. And it's very, very um, enchanting and all those things that a good fantasy film should be. And also, if I may say, and and Jeff, I'm sure, and, you know, because we've talked about its box office and all that, very underappreciated, wouldn't you say?
2: Yes. Yes. Yeah, and, and I mean, like, I, and then it was competing with big, you know, and mm. like um, Crocodile Dundee Two that weekend. Oh, gosh. So I think that yeah. it could have it could have gotten a, a better opening weekend, but you know, sometimes a, a movie needs that big opening weekend to kind of like you know get word of mouth going, to push it through. You know, and I don't I don't think it was it was you know totally like panned by the critics. I think I think it had some. And then <laughs> well, we can talk about critics later.
0: As Yeah, pertains. we'll definitely get into that. Yeah, I know we talked. Uh, it, it did make bank at the box office. I mean, it was it was made on a budget of $35 million, and box office returns were $137.6 So that's a box office success. And then it yeah. did even better on home video and runners, right. like in, in international. So all those things. We love Willow. I mean, I'm not... I'm not no, de- yeah, I, forget I, it. Even if the box office wasn't what, what it was... I love it, you know, I love it for what it is and yes. you know that's how we feel about it. But without further ado, yeah, let's jump in and get into this narrative. Let's talk about the film. So, we open on this it's like a smoky, you know, ominous real, yeah, ominous kind of, you know, it's basically like like a f- cloud of fog and there is a very brief narrative which is very important, gives us a, a very brief little backstory. It says it is a time of dread. Seers have foretold the birth of a child who will bring about the downfall of the powerful Queen Bavmorda. Seizing all pregnant women in the realm, the evil queen vows to destroy the child when it is born. And we open to the birth of a child. They hold this baby up, just been born. It's a girl, and it bears the mark. It's important. It's got this little birthmark on her right arm, like Mm -hmm. like her bicep can't describe it well, they're,
1: they're they're looking for yeah a baby with a mark
0: right and this is the one that's been born yeah a young woman says she must tell her mother while this is happening a woman ethna conceals the child as queen bavmorta comes in and i mean she comes in Jean marsh <laughs> this is Jean marsh phenomenal actress oh yeah
1: she's a she's a brilliant actress she
0: had already had a massive body of work before she was um queen bavmorta she had been active, uh, let me see, she had been active since 1953. Wow. She had won an Emmy Award for Outstanding Lead Actress in a Drama Series. And she just, she has, she had a tremendous body of work, as we said.
1: Yeah, she has a lot of presence, for sure. And, and, one of, one yeah. of notable works, probably Return to Oz.
0: Yeah. Well,
1: and. she also, I think she was also in Upstairs, Downstairs.
0: Was she in upstairs downstairs? I
1: feel like I remember her from that. <laughs>
0: yes, she was in upstairs downstairs.
1: Because I used to watch that every night. As a That's kid. what she won the Emmy award
0: for. <laughs> yes, because she was like the lead.
1: Sorry, she was the lead. Like um, I believe head maid, and I loved her as a kid.
0: Yes, and she also did make film appearances in Cleopatra, Frenzy, The Changeling, Return to Oz, as Jeff mentioned, Willow, of course, and the Fatherland, or no, excuse me, she's called Fatherland and mm-hmm. Monarch. And th- some, you know, a lot of those I'm not familiar with, but she's a
1: classic BBC, yeah, um, oh yeah, actress. She's
0: a BBC queen, yeah. To be sure, she's still alive, She's 85 years old. Oh bless her, 85 years young, Queen Babmorda. <laughs> but she is just—I mean, when she comes in, she has a very commanding presence. She wants this child because, again, we we have this um, we have this exposition from the beginning that this child is going to bring her downfall. So, she comes in, busts in with her soldiers, her escorts, and what while this is happening, or b- but really before Queen Bavmorta is even able to come in, the nursemaid, mm-hmm. or the midwife, excuse me, the midwife, had taken the child. Yeah. Because the mom her. begged her. Yeah. The child's mother is left holding a fake baby. Bavmorta has the mother killed. We never even find out much about the mom. Yeah. She and just,
1: w- but she knows the importance of her daughter she
0: knows the importance but she dies immediately we see the opening titles to an excellent excellent film score by the late great james horner which is absolutely one of our guys right one he's of my, our guys he's my
2: favorite composer personally yeah. mm-hmm.
0: james horner did titanic oh james horner did star trek 2 the wrath of khan oh man Another that's epic a great film. soundtrack yeah and the the willow music is just beautiful And the soundtrack actually has been—I remember hearing when Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves came out, they used music from Willow for the trailer.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: They did, yeah. So we see this sequence, this montage of Ethna with the baby traveling in hiding, obviously. Mm -hmm. The baby is no longer a newborn. The baby has hair, looks older, so it appears that some time has gone by. Suddenly there's danger. We see these massive rat dogs show up. And I can only... They're real dogs. I can tell by the way they're running that they're real animals.
1: They're horrific. With
0: these... With massive, like, prosthetics over them. They're called Nokmar hounds because Bavmorda is queen of Nokmar. Yeah. That's like her kingdom. Well, they show up, and they're on the trail of Ethna. She's eventually cornered, but not before putting the child on a makeshift raft and sending her down the river before the hounds kill her. So... So sad. A lot of sacrifice because this child is very important. Very much like a baby Moses moment. I though. was
1: just about to say, it's got lots of <clears throat> Moses vibes.
0: Uh, it makes me think of the Prince of Egypt, which of course came out in 97, but there was a scene where the mother put the put baby Moses in a basket, and, and it goes down the river, and it, it goes through all these perils.
1: Yeah, like the crocodiles and the fishermen and other Egyptians. and
0: yeah. And because we're in this world of magic and, and mysticism, we can assume there are these higher forces, benevolent forces that, you know, so the child does make it to safety. It is discovered by two Nelwyn dwarves that are children who tell their father a farmer named Willow. And this is Warwick Davis, played by Warwick Davis. This is the, the titular character. He is the hero of the story. Willow is a Nelwyn, which is essentially like he's a dwarf. I mean, he's like three foot tall, maybe three to four yeah, feet. halflings. Kind of reminds us of hobbits, right? W- Willow identifies the child as Daikini. Now, when we say Daikini, that, that means they're human. That's what that's what they call humans in Anduin. Anduin is the world, like we call our world Earth, right? Right. Uh, in Willow, the, the, the great world is called Anduin. Mm-hmm. And, and in Anduin, men and women are referred to as Daikini. His kids want to keep it.
1: And his kids are precious.
0: Yes, his kids are sweet.
1: I can't even deal with it. They're so cute.
0: And they're interrupted by the Nelwyn Prefect, which is like the village leader. His name is Cut. He's the worst. I know he is the worst. He's played by Mark Northover, but he's played very well. He's played very well. He's very gruff. Yeah, yeah. no, for sure. I've seen this guy in other stuff, Mark Northover. I can't, I'm running a blank what I've seen him in. But he's very gruff, treats Willow with disdain, thinks Willow's just pathetic. We also meet Kaya who is one of me and Brooke I know especially's <laughs> favorite characters in the whole movie, played by Julie Peters, Precious. Willow's kind and incredibly loving and sweet wife. She uh, she agrees with the children, we're going to keep this child. Yeah,
1: Willow leaves for like a minute and he's like, don't touch it. And he comes back and they're not only touching it, but like his wife is holding it and loving on it. <laughs> and he's like, Guys! jeez
0: <laughs> right willow uh, so I'm assuming I, I I made a lot of comparisons of course between the Nelwins and, and hobbits they're farming mm-hmm. they like to farm uh th- th- they live a very simple life they're
1: agricultural
0: right yeah, th- and the
1: and the and the Daikini the men they're they' they seem very warring they're, yeah, they're it, kind of brutal it yeah seems. uh so we we have we, we we already
0: and there is have this- a
1: pretty good parallel.
0: Right, and, and and we'll find as Willow travels into the greater world, because we know this is about Willow. When he meets Daikini, they call Daikini Pex, P E C K. So it come you you get this impression throughout the film that Daikini don't really regard There's racial tension, and that, yeah, that's, and they don't
2: definitely a derogatory term, I would say. Yes,
1: yeah. for sure. It, yeah, it's definitely not like a nice thing to and say. And because they're
0: small in stature, <laughs> yeah, and because they're small in stature and live simplistic lives, they're they're looked at as just not very important. Yeah. yeah. Just inconclusive to the greater world matters. Right. Right. So as Kaya and Willow argue at home, we find that Willow has aspirations to be a sorcerer. He wants to be chosen by the high Aldwin. Now the high Aldwin is also a Nelwin and he's played by Billy Barty. And he reminded us really of Gandalf the gray. He's,
1: with like a with like a twist of Radagast.
0: Yeah, you have to know some Lord of the Rings if we're <laughs> talking about this. Yeah, he's very
1: he had um, the goofiness of Radagast, yeah. but like the you know
0: the High Alduin does know magic, but he doesn't quite. He's not as good as everyone thinks he is. Like, <laughs> you know, he has these bones he pulls out at, to like tell prophecy, and he's like, the bones don't tell me anything, you know, and and then. Then he yells out, oh, the bones have spoken, like, you know, (laughs) when he kind of figures it out on his own. So, Matt, I mean, it's just funny. He's cute. Yeah. And Willow wants to be his apprentice. So we learn that Willow does want to do something beyond the life of a simple farmer, but no (laughs) one believes in him, including the most important person that doesn't believe in Willow is Willow. Mm -hmm. In fact, and we're going to talk about that later. So, there's this big festival. We see some Nelwyn culture. We love the music. Again, this is James Horner. Uh, To Willow's disappointment at the festival, he is not chosen by uh, the High Aldwin. He doesn't choose anyone, actually. He says, no apprentice this year. So, oh, well. That sucks. Um, But the the festival... Wait, But the festivities are interrupted when another pack of knockmar hounds attack the village. And... The only thing that's different about now than before, I guess, makes you think they've never seen these things. Yeah. And then, and one of the hounds is killed by Vonkar, who is a Nelwyn warrior, Phil Fondacaro. And the only thing that's different now they realize is this baby's here, so they they must be looking for the baby. So they have to take the baby, Willow and and to the to the council to the village council. And Willow doesn't want to do that because he knows who's gonna be there, and that's Burklecut, who's gonna, you know. W- Burklecut
1: w- kinda has ha- seems to have it in for, to for ha- Willow. yeah.
0: And he wants Willow's land. He says that earlier. Right. This yeah, land will that's be mine. It. Yeah, you know. Willow is summoned by the high aldrin when he brings in the child. Willow reveals that his family found the child and Burklecut, ever the sellout, wants to give the child up, he goes, Up, oh, give him up, we oh, gotta get rid of it. <laughs> but the high aldrin knows the child is special, so the high aldrin isn't just a phony. No. He definitely knows magic. He knows the child is special. Willow is nominated to take the child to the Daikini Crossroads. So basically, I guess, where the, the, the roads that lead to the Daikini world. To be returned to her own kind. And he agrees to because he cares for the child. Accompanying Willow is Migosh. We loved Migosh. David J. Steinberg, his trusty friend. And Vankar, the warrior. And Burglecutt, uh, Cut. And a few other Nell no ones. So the High Aldwin also tells Willow that he does have the potential to be a great sorcerer, but that he lacks faith in himself.
1: Because ultimately what Willow, there was kind of a contest or whatever. He said, I want you to choose which which of my fingers has power. Right. And Willow had the right first guess, but he second guessed yeah. himself. He
0: tells the High Aldwin, like, I was going to say it was my finger. And he goes, that was the right answer. Like, you just right. don't. So you, you're he not-
1: he has all that. He has the instincts he just lacks the confidence.
0: So we have this baby. And very much again, I go I think about the fellowship of the ring. The the, the ring is in Hobbiton. It's yeah. it's got to you know, uh
1: Well, it's all really parallel like the festivity is like is like Bilbo's or the 111th Shire. birthday, yeah. like it's it's got a it really does have a lot of parallels.
0: So which makes you you know, because Lord of the Rings of course was written long before Willow.
1: Right, but it's been part of all of our right. you know, culture for so long, it, it would make sense for something like that to make its way into the story.
0: The High Aldwin tells Willow that he, ha- he does have potential, as we said, and he gives Willow a handful of magic acorns that can turn whatever they're thrown at into stone, and Willow has to say goodbye to his family, and this is where I cry for Me the too. first time in this film. <laughs> we talk about, I, I, I do cry at films.
1: Yes often Kaya
0: says We've never been apart And I just and like My eyes well so up every time And she so
1: sweet She just It's like not She's like try, Not trying to guilt him She's just like Look This is This is what it is And she's so precious
0: I want to talk a little bit About something George Lucas said uh, And Jeff Me and you talked about this A little bit before We started recording uh, George Lucas said That one of the things About Willow That he wanted to To speak about In the film Was that it was always The, the little man Against the great system mm-hmm. And I look at the people that are always called upon uh, in this film are the most unlikely. And the people that have to give the most are the most unlikely. And I look at, like, Willow and Kaya. They're just such a sweet, wholesome, loving family. And they're called on to give the most. Now, we go back to Bavmorda's castle. Bavmorda is, of course, outraged. We can't find the baby. She berates her daughter, Sorsha. That's Joanne Wiley. She uh, and and I guess I'm assuming Sorcha is kind of like over her army. I was gonna say she she Along, must be like the general or something.
2: Uh, she she's actually a, um, a hunter, a scout. Ooh. Like she's a
0: tracker. Okay. Okay. Oh,
1: cool. Thank you, Jeff. Yeah. No
0: problem. But she's very high ranking because yes. we also meet in this scene General Kale, which is Pat Roach. Now, where do we get General <laughs> Kale's name? Because this is important, Jeff.
2: Yes. Uh, there is a there was a critic. Uh, back in the day, I don't, I don't think she's still around, but her name was um, Pauline Kale, <laughs> and uh, apparently, I don't know, if she must have had uh, some kind of a, you know, maybe, critiqued one of Ron Howard's previous films a little bit unfairly, and so, he uh, he 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 named General Kale after her, <laughs> so,
0: <laughs> and that's not the only he immortalized that's not the only it. thing. Well, <laughs> We'll get to, uh, I think, a little more. Oh, a, yeah. A much louder criticism.
1: Yes. We got to build um, to it. <laughs> that they use
0: in this film for critics much later. So, all right. So, General Kale. Yeah. That's where we get his name. General Kale is this formidable evil knight general with the coolest <laughs> helmet ever devised. Right. I loved his. Now, th- there's this terrifying skull that's not quite I a don't human know if it's skull. Like primate or something? It's this like, kind of. Who
2: knows? Like.
1: It definitely does look human. You're right. But I don't think I even thought about that until just now.
0: As bad as General Kale is, he's unmistakable because of that that helmet.
1: I told Toby, remind me of Skeletor.
0: And it's very synonymous. It could,
1: could be a troll. Could be- oh, Maybe. good call.
0: But it was it was super cool, yeah. General Kale informs Bavmorta that he just got back from destroying a kingdom called Galadorn, <laughs> which is going to play a role later. Yeah, he's like, yeah, I just, uh, just blew up Galadorn. <laughs> no big deal. And she says yeah. nothing to him. She just goes you and you like <laughs> kale and Sorcia, like find the baby like Morta doesn't say thanks which i guess the evil general's
2: she's like she's like i have another task for
0: you right
1: Fine right or, thanks but which you know, it's yeah. actually good you're back because
0: <laughs> which i understand that in films that bad guys have to there has to be a visual difference between the good guys and the bad guys right. you know <laughs> the the nell ones live in this lush green beautiful you know their uh, area you know and Bavmorda, of course, is in this cold, dark, you know, castle. But I always thought it was funny that, you know, man, can't you say thanks? Just be like, oh, I appreciate that. You know, you destroyed a whole kingdom. He didn't, he, he didn't take the mail for her. He's like, hey, I ran your, dropped your mail off. Anyway, right. well, look, it's important that Bavmorda destroys this baby. Uh, Bavmorda has it has this old sage with her who actually says, "I'm concerned your daughter may betray you." Get a little foreshadowing,
1: like right off the bat,
0: because she berates Sorsha. Like you would think that Sorsha was just some like new girl that works for her. I know, not her daughter. We don't know where Sorsha's dad is. I assume he was the king, but whatever. She probably killed him. Yeah,
1: (laughs) I mean, dang.
0: Meanwhile, the yeah. (laughs) Meanwhile, the Nelwins continue. (laughs) The Nelwins continue their journey to the Daikini Crossroads, where. There are these hanging cages when they arrive, and one has a skeletal corpse, which leads you to assume that when you're put into one of these corpses, you're never supposed to get out. Yeah,
1: you a just cage. stay there. Another dead corpse.
0: Okay, well we're just going to keep rolling with that. Yeah, when you're put into one of these corpses, when you're put into one of these cages, <laughs> it's these ha- cages hanging. They have some of them have skeletons in them, yes. w- which you know you assume you're you're never supposed to get out once you're in one of these cages There we go. <laughs> but there is one that has what appears to be an obnoxious brutish very unpleasant arrogant man named <laughs> mad martigan played by val kilmer now mad martigan is a daikini mm-hmm. as soon as burgle cut who's been traveling with willow and the right. rest of the posse with the baby says oh there's a daikini Let, yep let's get rid of the baby i'm ready to go back right <laughs>
2: Right, like like, like she's a dog, you know?
0: Like, uh, yeah. Just, you know. I'm pretty sure that's the owner, right? Right. And Mad Mardigan hears Burgle Cut and he says, yeah, yeah, Get, uh, let me out. Give me the baby. Mad Mardigan wants out of the cage. Yes. Now, this is Val Kilmer. Now, Val Kilmer had a tremendously prolific career in the 80s and 90s, so when we see him, we know this guy's a big deal in the film. And Val Kilmer just really does an outrageous job you right. know, in his introduction as Mad Mardigan. Now, I found out when we were preparing for this that apparently Mad Mardigan was not originally meant for Val Kilmer, right?
2: Well, yeah. So, I, I apparently John Kuzak was approached for the role. They 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 apparently they they wanted a swashbuckling, you know. Con- they wanted an actor who could who could put a, a comical spin on it, and right. John Cusack was coming off of you know he he was on fire. He had just come up better off dead. Say anything. A few other you know notable uh, uh, comedies that he did. You know he, I mean he was he was like the the big uh, comedy draw in Hollywood at the moment, right? And this, but but they also wanted someone who could like you know devel- deliver the, on the action as well, and so. Um, I guess in the end, they, they they you know real geniuses just came out. Top Gun had come out a few years prior. Yep, they were like, wait a minute now, what about this guy instead? Right, you know? Val And I think they made the right choice. This is my favorite role for Val Kilmer. Ever. Right.
0: You know. Oh yeah, yeah. he's it, so fun to watch. I think that yeah. I think the more I watch Willow. The more it's my favorite. Mm-hmm. I loved him as Doc Holliday in Tombstone, of course. Well, yeah, yeah. So it's a very close. It's very neck and neck with that with Mad Mardigan and Doc Holliday, but Val Kilmer truly shines in this film.
1: And he has a. I mean, obviously, we'll get to it, but he he really he his his arc is really cool. Oh, Matt Mardigan shows arc, a lot yeah. of growth,
0: and he because Val Kilmer plays this role so well, he plays Matt Mardigan as you know an idiot. But he also put, but then you see him switch to being sincere. Yeah. And then I think it's just the way Val Kilmer played him is to show him as someone who is trying to hide that he's a good guy.
1: Yeah, he's layered.
0: He's layered, right. But Mad Mardigan wants out of this cage. He does not care about these little <laughs> what he calls pecs. This is where right, we This is the first time we're hearing this it. This is right? the first time we're hearing it. yeah, he calls them pecs. He wants water and he wants out of the cage. He's not concerned with why they're there. He's really not concerned about the baby. He's looking for a way out of the cage. <laughs> Immediately an argument.
2: He's
1: in survival mode. Right.
0: 100%. So uh, an argument ensues mm-hmm. between Burglecutt, Willow, Vonkar. you know, all the Nell ones. Yes. All the Nell ones are ready to go home because they've seen a Daikini and they want to give the baby to the Daikini. The first right. Daikini they see, they said, let's go and get back to our home or back to our village. Willow has now formed a bond. Yeah. He loves this baby and... He feels that it would be wrong to give it to someone who is really acting like a total brute.
1: Right. He knows, like, just because he's Daikini, that doesn't mean we trust this guy. Like, you know, he cares for the kid. Right. He this, wants him to be safe. Yeah, or and wants this, her to be safe, excuse me.
0: Yes, exactly. And this disagreement ends up leading to the Nelwans leaving, with the exception of Willow and Migosh. Sweet
2: Migosh. And, and Migosh shows his character in this a little bit, too, because... He, he, he says the line, somebody put him in there for a reason, you mm, know? Like, yeah. He, right. Mean, he spoke up even before Willow did,
1: I think. That's you a know, good point. Like,
0: yeah, at this point, there is, it, you'd have to be insane to yeah, give well, the baby Mignog to Matt has Martin. more
1: discernment than, our, than the rest of them at this point. Oh, yeah.
0: But we have a really funny moment as the <laughs> Nell ones leave because, again, Willow and Mignog, I'd say there's maybe about seven or eight of them. Mm-hmm. You have Burglecut, Va- Von Carr, Willow, Migosh, and a few other just random Nell ones that kind of went like, right. you know, a, as an escort. But when they all leave, you know, Willow and Migosh stay. as they leave, Mad Mardigan has been listening to this. <laughs> and he's been listening to them, I can only assume.
1: Tell their names.
0: He's been listening to them refer to they, So he's. He goes, hey, Vonkar, give me that spear. Hey, Burgle come back. Like, like, let me out of here. Like, like don't
1: let him tell you nothing, Burgle like, Yeah, yeah. Like, 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 like Mad Morgan. Really. He is
0: inserting himself, like, like we've known each other. <laughs> like, I'm also a part of this group of friends. And I just thought that was a, a brilliant, you know, I yeah. don't know if that was, but, but it, it just shows that Mad Morgan is like, he's really quick witted. Yeah. So, this is where we see some offset. This isn't a total idiot in this cage, he listens. He's very quick witted, we're going to get to a little more about Mad Vart, Mad, Martigan, Mad Fartigan. Mad Fartigan. <laughs> <laughs> All right.
1: Okay. Y- okay, Yosi. I, mean, I just
2: found my new screen name. <laughs> Mad,
0: Mad
1: Fartigan. Yosi literally before bed was like, "Hey, <laughs> let's talk about farts." Okay. So I guess I get know where he gets it from.
0: Right. Let's talk So about whatever. <laughs> Mad
1: Fartigan. We need to make
0: bloopers. Yeah, uh, well, we do. Okay, so <laughs> no, leave that all. Okay, we'll like, leave that. We'll leave, leave, leave it. it. In. We'll leave it. Yes. Okay, so look, we're gonna get. Okay, we got to get it out. This so we it can together. keep going. No, no,
1: no. I'm fine. I can silent laugh. It's okay, fine.
0: that leads me to my next point about Mad Mardigan. At the outset, he doesn't appear to be honorable. He's very antagonistic, very unpleasant. He's petulant, and he's very much prone to theatrics. Yes. He refers to the Nelwins as pecs, as we said, and he taunts them. Incessantly. And he refers to himself as the greatest swordsman who ever lived. (laughs) Yet it's clear that he's not two-dimensional. Because in a few moments, we start hearing ambient sounds and willow and me, gosh, like, what's that? Mad Mardigan can tell that a battle's near. Mm -hmm. And then a large army starts to approach over the horizon, kind of out of the hills, you know. And he is able to estimate the size and strength of the force. So... This is a guy who actually has some prowess. Yeah. You know, he, he, th- we're, we're starting to realize that this isn't just some buffoon.
1: No, he's not just a thief or something. He, he was somebody.
0: Yeah, he's very much like a Han Solo, rough around the edges, but we're seeing signs that he's no Boy Scout. Right. Of course, the army eventually passes by, and Willow is just trying to give the baby away. He's just trying. <laughs> he's like, somebody take the baby, take the baby. One of the men who he offers the baby is a man named Eric. That's yeah. a lot. Yeah, er- Eric Thawbear. <laughs> That's a lot. I know. He's played by Gavin O'Hurlihy. <laughs> Come on, y'all. We, we are <laughs> never going to match.
1: sorry, but it it's, makes me think of starting out Live, the Hurlihy boy.
0: <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. All right, thank you. He recognizes Mad, <laughs> Mad Mardigan and gives us a little bit of exposition. They're going to fight bavmorda's Kingdom, Nokmar. Mad Mardigan's like, give me a sword. I want to help. I'll win this war for you. So we see that Mad Morgan's brave. He's like, give me a sword. I'll join the fight, you know? Yet Eric refuses. He says, Mad Morgan, I serve Galadorn. You serve no one. So.
2: And he says, remember. Yeah. Remember, Ooh. you know, stay in your cage and rot, which you brought up a good point prior to the podcast that he might, he may be like a, a knight who has like fallen from grace. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah.
0: Yeah. The, and, and I've read. I, know, some, I
1: hate that we never really fully well, know what he did.
0: I know there's some backstory on Mad Mardigan. I don't know what the um, authenticity is as far as its connection to the film. but
1: Is it like a fan theory or is it in the books?
0: Again, I, I have no way of knowing, oh, but okay, I just sorry. assumed that he was a knight who had fallen into disgrace. Right. We get a little bit more of uh, Mad Mardigan's backstory later, but it's very brief, but yeah. still, we get a little bit more. But the army moves on. Eric leaves, takes his army down the way to fight Nakmar. This is Bathmorda's kingdom. She's causing trouble everywhere in addition to looking for this baby. After a long period of waiting and running out of food, a desperate Willow decides to give the baby to Mad Mardigan because no one else is coming. Yeah. And there's a battle nearby, so that probably makes sense, right? You know, it makes sense that no one's traveling down these roads because there's armies traveling down these roads, you know? and there's So the
1: likelihood of him actually meeting another Daikini, that doesn't mean him ill will, is low.
0: This is when, out of desperation, Willow says, okay. We're going to let you out. We're going to give you the baby. They let <laughs> Matt Mardigan out. And what's amazing is he picks up the baby and the baby smiles. And this is important because the baby actually does know what's going on. This is, again, this is a special child. It's there, There's a lot of power and magic associated with this child. Yeah. She smiles at Matt Mardigan. And they find that he's, in fact, a good guy. He gets down with, t- you know, he kneels down in front of Willow Miyagashi. says, you go on back, take care of your farm. I got this. And he leaves. And then Nell ones head home. All is well, right? As we always like to say. Of course, obviously. Migosh and Willow begin their journey home. And, uh, gosh, I don't know how long into it. What, maybe a few minutes?
1: (laughs) Maybe like 10 minutes.
0: (laughs) They're interrupted by a massive brown eagle carrying the baby (laughs) that they had just given to Madden (laughs) Mardigan. And it is being ridden by these two tiny beings called brownies. Yes. Screaming, I stole the baby, right? <laughs> I, Brooke, you're better yeah, at
2: it. I how stole long the do you baby. think, like, re- realistically, how long do you think, like, Mad Mardigan had possession of this child? All kid? my notes <laughs> I put in parentheses.
0: So Mad Mardigan might have had the baby for like an hour.
1: <laughs> <laughs> like, if, if that, like,
0: it's just awful.
1: He made it like half a mile. I was like, nah.
0: <laughs> They chase the bird into brownie territory and are eventually captured because there's a lot more than just two of these little guys there it's, it's almost what was it you said it looked like when they when they capture the two Nell ones they capture Migosh and Willow
1: it, it remind me of um Gulliver's Travels because yeah. like it, i mean i've i've you know in my house growing up i had the book and like on every cover of the book i've ever seen is when gulliver is arrives on whatever that island is and he's captured by all the tiny people and he's yeah, and tied str- down yeah and all these little people are like, haha, we got him!" And it's funny because they're they're already tiny people. Right. So, like, how are they tinier people? Well,
0: yeah. Because <laughs> the, the brownies are, like, a few inches tall. Yeah. Like they're, I mean, very small. So they tie Willow and Migosh down. And a female voice, this mystical, whimsical yes, female yes. voice, orders the brownies to release them and stop pestering them. So we find the brownies are more mischievous. Yes. But they answer to a much higher, wiser authority. This is Cheryl She is the fairy queen, and she's the keeper of the brownies. And I I begin to assume that she might have ordered the two brownies to steal the baby. Right. Even (laughs) though Mad Mardigan probably made it an incredibly easy task.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Which we will find out (laughs) in a moment.
0: She is this kind of... She's tall. She's like the size of, well, she's like the size of like a a normal human woman. Yeah. And she floats, and she's got flowy white robes and
1: very Galadriel esque. Yeah.
0: Very Galadriel esque. Yes. With an echoey, you know, whimsical voice, she informs Willow that the baby's name that we haven't mentioned up to this point is Elora Dannon, and she has chosen Willow as her caretaker. And she also informs Willow of his true mission. She gives Willow her wand, which is this, like, curvy stick. Right. And she instructs him to take it to the sorceress Razel, who will guide them to the kingdom of Tyrasline, where a good king and queen will watch over Elor Danon. So, again, Willow's mission. He has a wand. He has the baby.
1: <laughs>
0: He's got to take them to Finn Razel, once she gets her wand... She will then take them to Tyra's which is this kingdom. Yes. Where presumably. again, the baby will be raised by a good king and queen, who we don't know. And Olora Dannon must survive. That's the thing. Because Queen Bav- Bavmorda must be destroyed. Right. Willow sends Migosh back to the village. He chooses to go... And accept this mission
1: because she does. She does say like, "Hey, this is what's going to happen." But the choice is yeah, yours.
0: Yeah, that's right. She does tell Willow the choice is yours, and he decides to go. And he sends Migosh back to the village, and really miss Migosh. I know. You know, he would have went with Willow to the end. He truly would have.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he, definitely his Sam. <laughs> I
0: know. Yeah, I was like, he is Sam. <laughs> we
1: can't Except, help it. To be fair, Willow is a little bit more. Uh, He's a little bit less dramatic than Frodo at right. times. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yes, very much so. So Willow sets off. He's guided by the two brownies that stole the baby. <laughs> Their names are Rule and Frangine. Which play- are
1: strange names. Yeah,
0: Rule is R O O L and Frangine, like F R A N J E like A N. Frangine. Yeah, I thought it was. Fr- <laughs> at first, when I read it, I said, is it Frangine? Got- Fra- <laughs> no, it's, it's Frangine. <laughs> like, that's how it's pronounced. <laughs> uh, Rule <laughs> is played by Kevin Pollock. Who we love. Yes, he's Uh, hilarious. Great, great excellent actor. And Frangine is played by Tim Overton. Uh, So they come upon a Daikini village because Allura needs milk. The baby needs milk. So they make a stop. Will is like, I got to go in. I got to try to get milk for the baby. You know, the baby's got to survive. Got to take care of it. It's, It's a baby. And this is a rowdy place, much like any other crazy medieval tavern that you would imagine. Right. In a film, all the people shoo Willow away. They call him a peck. He's asking for fresh milk. They're get away.
1: Which also, for for me, was enlightening because I, when we first meet Mad Mardigan, he calls Willow a peck, and I'm like, okay, I, you don't know if that's vernacular or if that's just him, but no, did you find this is a derogatory term yeah, right. for these types of people? That's widely known, right? So for I don't know, for me as I guess a linguist or something, I was I was intrigued by that.
0: And even though Rule and Frangine are guiding Willow to this lake, they're not doing a great job as far as being like on task because Rule spots a attractive young lady and wants to use, he turns to Frangine and says, I want to use the dust of the broken heart.
1: Can we just make a comment on their size differences, real quick? Yeah. <clears throat> just sure. so we're all aware. Yeah, this is a normal woman. This is oh, a
0: Daikini di- <laughs> woman he sees. Rule is just like this three
1: little... inches tall.
0: Much of the film, much of the film, the greater population <laughs> doesn't even recognize that Rule and Frangine are even no, present.
1: No. No. No one is aware. Which
0: becomes an advantage at times, but the only people that are aware of them are the main characters so right. he just sees this woman. I just
1: felt like it was really important like, that we all understand well, when this we were watching, a tiny creature attracted to a five foot whatever yeah.
0: female well when we were watching it Brooks said quote what's he gonna do with her
1: <laughs> yeah so, so I could say more but right. I won't <laughs>
0: well Rule and Frangine end up kind of scuffling and this dust comes out it looks like this gold dust well, I don't even called? know why the, what's the, it called again the dust of the broken heart yes okay and i don't even know why they brought it with them
1: why uh, i don't know sorry just but, that that i really just realized what possible well i mean
0: yeah no, rule fine. rule gets some on, on him and <laughs> okay so the way i think it works is the dust of the broken heart whoever it gets on
1: the first thing you see
0: it's the first thing they yeah, see yeah like
1: any traditional love potion in any mystical yeah. movie ever
0: instead of seeing this woman rule sees a cat and he falls in love with the Cat and he's chasing after this cat, which eventually knocks him into a tub of beer, and then he comes out.
1: Remember? I mean, he ain't mad about it.
0: No, he comes out. And he's like, you know, beer. <laughs> he's right? like, Bee-yaw! Yeah. And then he goes right back. Down. Dives right back in. I can't do the voices like Brooke. <laughs> I know. It's, the, yeah. It is
1: my 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 blessing and my curse.
0: So while that's going on, <laughs> Willow discovers that Mad Martigan is there. Mad Martigan did not make it very far. And it looks like he has just finished a dalliance with a married woman. A dalliance. We know this because the woman's saying, hurry up and get out of here, my husband's coming. And Mad Mardigan is dressing up as a woman. Yeah, he turns
1: around with with more than he came with.
0: Right, right. Willow walks in on him and is just disgusted. Like, you lost the baby, and what the heck are you doing? (laughs) Like, you obviously... (laughs) Right. And the woman... He gets the costume on just in time. (sighs) When the woman's husband arrives, an upstanding chap by the name of Lug.
1: Jeff, why don't you describe our friend Lug first? Yeah. <laughs> oh,
2: like just, you know, huge, towering, bearded, like brute. Gross. You know, just gruff <laughs> g- as, you know, you can get. God by, knows yeah. where he just came from. I know. Like. He's like, right,
0: yeah. he like a
1: ten, vo- 10 word vocabulary.
0: This scene that's coming up that all this is you yeah. know happening is building up to one of one of our favorite parts of the film uh, <laughs> Lug is played by actor Ron Tarr <laughs> who actually played one of Jabba's henchmen in Star Wars A New Hope so I don't know if George Lucas knew him or what but he is into Mad Mardigan
1: Well, as a uh, woman yes right
0: and by the way Mad Mardigan has a name Hilda aka Hilda yeah <laughs> and lug has a great pickup line what is it Brooke?
1: well um you know after grunting and moving toward her forcefully uh he asks her ever so politely wanna breed <laughs> to and which he's, like, groping her like yes her, yeah her... And to which she boobs. says, "Tempting, yeah." But I think no. that like,
0: and I think Matt Mardigan <laughs> has cantaloupes in, in in like some kind of fruit or something, right?
2: It's just oh, it, it, it was apples. He was taking them out later and he was like, throwing them. In, like... <laughs>
0: Sorry. But, but, but this yeah, is funny. he's like
1: he's like tempting, but no, right? And so, he's not. That doesn't matter. He's not relenting. No, Lug no, is... nothing like Mad Mardigan. Like his wife is right there. Like like she's worried about her husband coming home. And she's like, "This but, is my uh, cousin Hilda." He's he like, yeah. "What's up, Hilda?"
0: Right. He does not. He's like, "Excuse me, wife." Right. T- it's really so, <laughs> okay. Mad Martigan. Really, really upsetting. Yeah, Mad Mardigan, aka true, a true gentleman. Yeah. <laughs>
2: we'll
0: say Mad Mardigan, aka Hilda, is like slap, <laughs> slapping his hand away. You know, sh- um, he she grabs Elora from Willow to kind of complete his costume, like I have a baby. Like, you know, because he
1: was saying he was that was his baby yeah Our baby i don't or, know oh, such a terrible nursemaid
2: and, like kicks the willow yeah like,
0: <laughs> <laughs> again mad martigan has not moved in his arc at all in this film yet, no you know? no and this whole fiasco is interrupted by sorcia remember no bavmorta's daughter who is looking for the baby she's raided the tavern with her troops she's looking for the baby she sees Alora, and wants to see if this baby is is who she's looking for. She said, for. Are you the baby's mother? Are you the baby's mother? She goes forward. I, I think that uh, Mad Mardigan slash Hilda kind of stiff arms her. Yeah. And immediately, but Mad Mardigan, who has no poker face, says, yeah. You're, you know, you're beautiful, you know, in, yeah. in a very fake male female voice. <laughs> you're beautiful. And Sorcha goes, well, You're very strong. And of course, the magic words. You're no woman. Yeah. Snatches it off. Make, thank you. <laughs> and. And just. Yeah. Uh, what, yeah. What did What did Hilda say in response to "You're no woman"? Or, well,
2: we, yeah, she said, and "You're very strong." And he's like, "Thank you." Oh yeah. God, yeah. You're no woman,
0: and like throws yeah. his like yeah. thing off. And Matt Mardigan makes like, this face. He, he he gives this smile, I, like like he's not upset. He's not freaked out. He's just like, "Well, okay, course. here we are now." And then you
2: hear, and then of course you hear Lug. Like, not uh, a woman. Yeah.
0: The li- one of the lines of the film. Not a woman. Which prompts Matt Mardigan to go, who knows what's about to happen. Yes. So it's, not a woman, gentleman. And then what?
1: Not a woman. Not a woman. Yes.
0: And then meet Lug. And then Lug lunges for Mad Mardigan, causing a diversion, allowing them to eventually kind of get out of it. But the whole time the scuffle's going on, you can hear in the ambient <laughs> craziness, not a woman. Like, he's, he's not over
2: pissed. it. He's just pissed. No, no. He's, 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 like, like in the process of destroying all of Sorsha's <laughs> men, like... He he, he hits some guy. Yeah, Maybe it's not his fault. Matt just this poor guy. He's, <laughs> He's just, just like, like I'm, devastated listen, in the face. I'm just
1: gonna mess everybody up. Yeah, this is this mess me up, so I'm gonna mess y'all up.
0: So I mean, yeah, yeah. This and <laughs> Matt Mardigan and Willow and Alora and the Brownies. Uh, Rule and Frangine all get on this carriage and just take off running. And
1: Also, meanwhile, Rule is completely drunk.
0: Yeah, Rule is completely drunk. And all these people fled out of the tavern, including Lug, who screams one last time, Not a
1: woman! <laughs> <laughs> is- no,
0: I think he's
2: like, she's
1: not a woman! Yes, yes, he's just yes choking yes, this
2: guy.
0: Yeah. Like, I don't she's know.
1: not oh. a woman!
0: Willow, Allura, Madmartigan, and the Brownies flee Sorsha and her soldiers. And there's a carriage fight between some Nockmar soldiers and Mad Mardigan. And this is where we see that Mad Mardigan is a very able warrior.
1: Yeah, he's very skilled.
0: Yes. And they are able to get away because of his...
1: Well, and they do, and there is some teamwork. I mean, the Brownies cut the rope. Yeah. Willow takes charge of the horses. They all kind of form a team without realizing yeah. it. Yeah,
0: again, all unlikely people yes. being incredibly brave. Of course, Mad Mardigan is just trying to get out of... I mean, he thought he's he was He's still
1: just- in pre- self-preservation mode. right? But... He's, he's starting to care.
0: Well, once they get away, and essentially what Mad Morgan does is they is they hop off the uh, carriage, and then Mad Mardigan sends the carriage down the road. They hop off of it and hide, and the rest of the Nakmar troops and Sorsha all ride by, and Mad Mardigan basically turns to Willow and says, okay, thanks for that. Good luck, Willow, whatever, and he leaves.
1: Well, he tries to.
0: He tries to. Of course... Yes, Mad Mardigan does not make it very far. And the reason why is because as Mad Mardigan tries to leave and kind of just I guess go on to the next shenanigan. Yeah. Alora Dannon begins to cry. This is very important because however Allura Dannon is reacting to a person. To a person or a situation mm-hmm. tells us should tell us a lot because again, she even though she's a baby, because of who she is, she mm-hmm. understands much more than than an average baby obviously.
1: And something we didn't um expound on during that scene but Alora Dannon actually um communicated with uh Cheryl Andrea. Is it Cheryl yes. Andrea? I was say uh, her Cheryl name Andrea. Andrea. Cheryl Andrea. Oh, yeah, gracious. it's okay. But um she like however whether it was through her mind but she spoke with her and like yes. communicate with. So Alora Dannon has like you said she has it. Some kind of way of understanding that's deeper than a baby would.
0: Yes, and she understands that Mad Mardigan leaving is bad. Right. And She just throws a fit when Mad Mardigan leaves. And Willow kind of picks up on this. And what, and what this tells us is that Mad Mardigan has not just a role to play, but a, a very important role to play in, in being a part of this whole thing that's happening, that's unfolding and we are going to stop here because this is going to be a two part episode willow is such a rich film and we realized there was so much we wanted to talk about we're going to break this up into two parts yes it's an epic yeah it's an epic it truly is and i just you know and, and we just don't want to we don't want to go on for too long We you know we want to mm-hmm. really kind of break this you know, in, into two parts because we really wanted to have time to really expound and talk about this film mm-hmm. and really, really do it justice, you know, because we love it so much. So... And
1: in the meantime, um, if you're listening to this episode and you're going to catch the next one, Willow is on Disney Plus, if you have it. Yes, it is. So you should watch it and kind of see what we've said, formulate your own thoughts, and then yeah, definitely. listen for next week.
0: So when we... Come back next week. You know, Jeff will still be with us. Yes. Uh, we are going to find out. We're going to talk about just what happened, of course, the fate of our heroes and what happened after Not a Woman. <laughs> it's a great thing. <laughs> so, Jeff, always good to have you on and looking forward to next week having you back on to finish up Willow. Yeah.
2: And thanks for having me on, yeah. as always.
0: Well, we are going to shut the doors of the tape store for the week we will have more willow for you when we're back next Thursday same Tape Store time same Tape Store channel until then check us out on Instagram leave us a rating right Brooke
1: yes yes thank you for and, and for those of you that already have thank you so much that means so much to us yeah um yeah and we as you, always we want you to come back
0: <laughs> yeah and as always if you have been listening your time is valuable We very much appreciate it. It means so much. We really, really, really do thank you for that. And we hope that you've had as good a time as we've had um, (laughs) getting through the first half of our Willow episode. So excited about part two. So we will see you guys next week. Until then, this is Toby.
2: This is Brooke. And this is Jeff.
0: See you next week, guys. Bye.